0: things in this particular book. We will find Paul acting as a mediator. We will find the providence of God in this particular book. Also, we will find friendship between the two men. And we will find reconciliation, transformation, and sacrifice. And those are some of the things that Jesus Christ came into the world to do for us. And also, I would like for you to know that when Paul wrote this particular letter, he was writing this letter from prison. And also we know that he had several other epistles that was written from prison, which was Colossians and Ephesians. And at the time, he was under house arrest. But the thing about it is he could have visitors. And we're going to find out one visitor that he had to come to him was Onesimus. And we're going to see by the providence of God how this kind of took place. And I would like to kind of look at this particular book as a postcard. If you recall, many of Paul's letters were very lengthy and what have you. But this particular letter is a, a very intimate letter. And it's a very short letter. And it's a very personal letter. And that's why I like to call it as Paul's postcard to Philemon. And what you will find also is this book is a masterpiece as well. It's a masterpiece on love and forgiveness. And also we will see that this particular book deals with a social ill that took place in the Roman Empire, the first century, dealing with human slavery. But I'm not going to talk about human slavery. I'm going to talk about love and forgiveness. And we do understand that Onesimus was a slave of Philemon, and he was a runaway slave to Rome, and he came in contact with Paul by the providence of God. Onesimus came to salvation under the ministry of Paul there in Rome, and Onesimus began to understand what had transpired within him, and he realized his sin, and therefore he and Paul communicated in such a manner that Philemon realized and Paul realized that he needed to return back to his master and ask for forgiveness. And we're going to see Paul petition specifically to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And Paul is going to petition to him as though it's Paul need the grace of God and not Philemon. And also we talked earlier in our Sunday school class of only God can forgive sin. So by virtue of that, Onesimus must return back to his master and seek forgiveness. So I'm going to look at this book in regards to, and your Bible might have it broken up in this capacity as well. As far as the introduction is concerned, And some of your Bible might say a salutation. And that salutation takes place between verses 1 and 3. And also we're going to look at Paul traditionally has a thanksgiving in all his writing. And that thanksgiving occurs in verses 4 through 7. And we're going to look at that as well. And he's thanking God for Philemon. And as you can see in the bulletin, The title of this sermon is Gracious Plea for Onesimus. And that's the theme of this particular book. And that theme takes place between verses 8 and 19. And also, there's a future fellowship. Paul desired to have fellowship with Philemon in the future. And those verses take place 20 through 22. And as always, Paul always gives a standard benediction in his writing. And those verses take place, verses 23 through 25. So if you would, please take a copy of God's holy word in your hand and turn with me to Paul's letter to Philemon. And perhaps I should say for some of you, take your iPhone, your iPad in your hand, because I know some of you utilize those in church as well, which is not a problem. The key is find the Word of God. And we're going to look at the Word of God, be it in your Bible, iPhone, or iPad. Join me in prayer. Our Father, would you help us as you speak to us, That we may be receptive, Lord, to your word. Oh, Father, how we need your light to penetrate our darkness in this day, stage, and time. And, Lord, your grace to continue to cleanse us and subdue us, Lord. And may it subdue us, Lord, in such a manner, Lord, that it will cause new obedience to spring life into us. And, Lord, as we bow before you this very moment, Lord, we bow, Lord designed to hunger, Lord, and thirst after righteousness. Plead in your promise, Lord, that if we do so, we will be filled. And, O oh, Lord, give us a grace, Lord, that we may be well tilled soil. Our hearts may receive the seed of the word and bear fruit, Lord, for your glory and your praise. O oh, Lord, deal with us this morning, Lord, in grace. Show us ourselves, Lord, our sin, our bankruptcy, and our need. Show us, Lord, for the encouragement of our heart, your work, Lord, that far within us, how grace, Lord, has led us this morning this far. And, oh, Lord, show us the road, Lord, yet stretching before us, and give us perseverance, grace, by your word, Lord, and the knowledge of your grace, Lord, is one day, Lord, is going to lead us home. Give us then, Lord, ears to hear, Lord, what the Spirit says to the Church of Jesus Christ this morning, and Lord, we ask these things in no other name but our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And I ask you this morning to stand with me as we read. Uh, and I, we're going to look at this entire book, but I'm only going to read verses eight through twenty-one. So, so stand with me as we read the word of God. Start that verse safe. And I'm reading from the uh, ESV. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prison also for Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is in need, useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owe you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owning me, even your own self. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. And this book opened up with a salutation. And as I said, this salutation is identified in verses 1 through 3. And this salutation identifies Paul as the main writer of this letter, but also he's writing this letter on behalf of Timothy, his beloved brother. And he's writing this letter to Philemon. And also he is including some witness in this particular letter. Now understand, Paul is not writing this letter as a private letter. Paul is making this letter very, very public. And he's making this letter public for a particular reason. He wants to hold Philemon accountable for his action. And understand that. And that's why this letter is not written in the manner of a personal letter that Philemon can take and read and just file somewhere. It must be read to the people in this household which is worshiping in his house as a church. And one of those individuals is someone called Alpha. And if you do any reading, you will find out that that's perhaps his Philemon's wife. And another gentleman also, he addressed in this letter, is Archippus. Archippus could easily be Philemon's son, or he could be a leader in the church here. And those individuals, this letter, they must see as well. And by virtue of that, it's going to play a major impact of how Philemon responds in regards to what Paul is writing to him about. And understand, Paul is making a, 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 a big request to Philemon. And this is a very, very difficult request that he's making. And he's making it public. And then, as usual, Paul always has a standard greeting in his salutation. The grace of God from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you. And that's the blessing that had in those particular verses. And now we'll see next coming is Paul's Thanksgiving. And that Thanksgiving is located in verses 4 through 7. And make note of how Paul is speaking about Philemon in this particular Thanksgiving. And he goes on to say I hear about your love for all the saints Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the heart of the saints. And he said, I hear about your faith and your love. And understand that Paul is writing this particular letter from prison in Rome. And this letter is going to Philemon in Colossae. And that's about a thousand miles away. But Paul said, I hear about your faith and love in the Lord Jesus Christ and for the saints. Now notice the object of his faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that love and faith, it flows out to the saints. And I I like that. And there are three great pillars in the Christian faith. Faith, hope, and love. And we know the greatest of these is love. And Paul is commending Philemon on two of them. Your love and faith for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the saints. Wow. And then Paul going to say, I pray that the share of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for Christ's sake. And if you really read those verses and get the spirit of what those verses are saying, Paul is encouraging a mature man in the faith on to further maturity in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying to Philemon in verse 6. I pray that the share of your faith and he's not talking about just verbal communication. He's not just talking about that. He is encompassing everything in regards to sharing, loving, caring, and serving the people of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Now we think just verbally communicating our faith to someone, that's it. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying loving the saints, caring for the saints, serving the saints. And then notice verse 7. He says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul, is he is comforted and he is encouraged by what Philemon is doing. I wish my brother and sister in Christ would say the same thing about me. This is what he's saying about this man. He knows this man. even came to faith under Paul's ministry. And we're going to see that further on in these verses. He was a businessman traveling from Colossae down to Ephesians where he heard the word of God and he went back and started a church in Colossae. I like that. Okay, let's look at uh, the core of this message. And the core of this message is the petition. And Paul is petitioning Philemon on the behalf of Onesima, But also Onesimus must petition Philemon for himself. So let's look at Paul's explanation of his petition for Philemon. And what Paul is actually doing for Philemon is he is being an advocate for Philemon. He is advocating for Philemon. And the same thing that Jesus Christ did for us. He is our advocate. So you can see how Paul is representing Jesus Christ right here on behalf of Onesimus. In front of Philemon, Christ represented us on the cross, and Paul is representing Philemon right here. In these verses, verse eight and nine, what I want you to see is this: Here, Paul as Philemon, as Onesimus, advocate or mediator or stand between, whatever you want to call it, what Paul is saying to Philemon is this. Philemon, would you please forgive Onesimus for the love of a pastor? He's taking himself and putting in place of Onesimus and saying, would you forgive him for the love that I have for Jesus Christ, and for the love that you have for Jesus Christ, would you do that for this pastor? That's what he's asking him to do. And let's look at this. these verses. Notice what he say. He says, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. See, this is a personal letter written to a personal friend and Paul is not, he's not defending his apostleship because he never used that in this particular letter. He just said, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. So he has the authority to tell Philemon what to do. But he's not doing that. And he said, I'm going appeal to you on the basis of the love of God. And then he's going to say, I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Paul always identified those converts that came to him, his ministry, as his son. He did that with Titus. He did that with Timothy, and now he's doing the same thing with Onesimus, because Onesimus was converted under Paul ministry, which implies now he is Paul's offspring by virtue of Christianity. And Paul is claiming to be his father. Probably in some of your Bible it may read that way. And I kind of like, I didn't say this earlier, but he say a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's he not a prisoner of Nero. He's not a prisoner of the Jewish leaders who have done all kind of things to him. Paul is where he is because that's where Christ wants him to be, in prison. And he accepts the reality of that. So it's a badge of honor for him to be in prison for Christ's sake. And you'll hear some people say, I don't wear my Christian on my sleeves, but for Paul, it's a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. And Paul talks about him being an aged man also. Now understand, Paul was only about 63 or 64 or 65 years old. And that is really not considered old, but I say this. If you look at Paul's missionary journeys, those things took a toll on Paul. And they really aged Paul. And the beatings and what have you that Paul went through. That really aged that man. And he is seeing himself as an aged person in prison right now. And he's using these things, pleading his case to Philemon. And he's asking Philemon to have compassion on an elderly man in prison and on a newly converted brother in Christ who is ministering to him. And that's what. He is asking Philemon to forgive for the love of a pastor. Now notice these next few verses here. Paul is asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus for the gospel's sake. Forgive him for the gospel's sake. Now notice this right here, what it says here. Verse 10, formerly Onesimus was useless to you, but now he has become useful for you and for me. I would have likened to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chain for the gospel. Amen. So he is saying, look, this man is converted. This man is saved. Would you please forgive him because he's a new creation in Christ Jesus? Wow. Paul is bringing this thing home. Paul is making this thing real. And the thing about it is this. We talked about this somewhat in Sunday school, class. Bear with me. You know, just like the book of James. The book of James is a real practical book. But a lot of the teaching James was doing was Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. The same thing Paul is doing here in the book of Philemon. All Paul teaching has been done in Ephesians. It's been done in Colossians. It's been done in Philippians. It's been done in those books. Now Paul is applying the very thing that he has taught them right now. You, you remember over there in Colossians say? Forgive as who? As Christ has forgiven you. He's asking Philemon to do this as well. And you think over there in Ephesians, Paul laid out rules and regulations how masters should treat slaves. He could ready to do this right here. He's applying the very thing that they've been taught already. I, I like that. This is Philemon is a very practical book. Very, very practical. Now, if you notice, based upon what we know about Onesimus and how Paul is describing him here, his day and night of who this man is. For the simple reason, he's a saved man now. And we're going to see his faith. We're going to see this. A, 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 a person go from no faith, I almost want to say dead faith, but dead faith would imply that He is saved and now he's just sitting down doing nothing because I'm saved. But this man is going from a no faith to faith in Jesus Christ. So he's going to an active faith. And you're going to see the activity of his faith. And that's something we don't already talk about in the book of James for the last two two months or so. So Onesimus has been a worthless slave but he has been converted to Christ he has repented of his sin and he mended his way showing his good faith by putting forth honest effort to care for Paul in prison. An act of faith. A young convert already turned around busy doing work for the Lord serving the apostle Paul. Mm, mm, mm. I like that. I like that. Like Let's continue on here. Now Paul says in verse 12, he says, I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending him back. Because he understands that he needs to come back and he needs to seek your forgiveness. And I can really see the picture of what has transpired With with Onesimus coming to faith in Jesus Christ, it's just like he coming here this morning. He come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then sooner or later he might see Mike and say, "You know, Mike, I tell you, man, I tell you, I've been really convicted, Mike. I done did something wrong. You know, I done ran away. See, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now he had the Holy Spirit inside of him to convict him." And now he's being convicted and realized he's wrong. And he tells Apostle Paul this, and Paul said, You know what, Onesima, you need to return back home. In fact about it, what I'm gonna do is, where are you from? And he tells him where he's from. He said, Wait a minute. He said, Who is your master? And then he said, He said, I know him. He came to faith under my ministry when he came down to Ephesians, Ephesus. I tell you what, I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to send it back with you to him. This is pretty, man. Let me tell you. This is a beautiful picture here. Amen. Don't let me get. Care. <laughs> well, I, 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 just be patient with me here. Mm. Yeah. So that's what's going on there in verse 12. I'm sending him back to you. Okay? Look at verse 13. So, in verse 13, Paul is very confident that Philemon will do what he's asking him to do. But also, in that verse 13, he is very confident that Onesimus is a saved man. He's very, very confident of that. Very, very confident. Okay. Now let's go down to verse 14. In verse 14 he said, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. We know that Paul is appealing to him based upon love. And he don't want to do anything without first consenting with Philemon about this matter. Because Paul respects Philemon, and guess what? Philemon respects Paul. That's what's going on here. Two men who dearly love the Lord Jesus Christ, two men who love each other, and two men who respect each other. So Paul is expecting Philemon to choose to do what is right. So he made it clear that his petition came as a request rather than an apostolic command. So now, if Philemon treats Onesimus well, it will provide greater encouragement both to Paul and to the church that worship in Philemon's house. See, because there's a witness who is watching this whole scenario. And it's going to impact those people as well. And then if you go back and you look at Verse 7 through 9, you'll see why Paul is expecting Philemon to do what he's asking to do. Because he said this in verse 7 and 9, he said, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although I could order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. So Paul is appealing to Philemon love and faithfulness to the church which he has already demonstrated that to and he expects him to continue to do that. So we saw Paul makes appeal to Philemon based upon a pastor love. And then he appealed to Philemon Based upon a gospel change, a new creation, Christ Jesus. Now here's the apex here. Watch this right here. Verses 15 and 16. Look look at those verses with me. And he said, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while. Perhaps. If you look up that in the Greek, it has divine providence. Divine providence. I get up each morning. I say well Lord. I look forward to living under your providential care today. So right now. You're going to see. The providence of God. Working in this situation. That has transpired. So now Paul is saying. Okay Philemon. I have asked you to forgive this man. Based upon a pastor love based upon the gospel change a new creation in Christ Jesus now I'm asking you to forgive him based upon new insight and this new insight is almighty God the providence of God for this Perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while. That you might have him back forever. Listen to this here. No longer as a slave. But more than a slave. As a beloved brother. Especially to me. But how much more to you. Both in the flesh. And in the Lord. Man. Now you see God's hand. I'll tell the Sunday school this morning, when circumstances or situations occur in your life, the first thing you look for is the hand of God. Look, look for his hand. And if you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Because he knows what he's doing. He know what he's doing. Oh man, I tell you. Mm. Moving right along, I'm going to get you guys out of here. But notice this right here. Verse 16. It says, No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and a brother in the Lord. And I read that out of the NIV because ESV says, both in the flesh and in the Lord. The NIV say, both as a man and a brother in the Lord. Hey, you ever heard someone say Is level where? Is level at the foot of the cross? Now here you got a wealthy slave owner and you got a slave standing wet? At the cross. Is leather? They looked upon as equal. Wow. Because here it goes right here. And we discussed this here sometime back. You remember over in Galatians? He said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For all are one in Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. You hear people say that. It's level at the foot of the cross. You see it's here. It's level. I'm going to you it's level. You can't get no level than that. Somebody told me don't preach this morning. I, 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 I was going to do some teaching, but something got a hold of me. Okay. That's it. I'm going to tell you. That's it. The providence of God. Now, let, 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 let me just say this here in regard the providence of God. What Paul is getting Philemon to see is this. Everything in the universe is controlled by God. This is new insight. If I name it, new insight. Understand this here. God controls everything. And God often permits. Listen to me now. God often permits bad things to happen in order that his good purpose may be accomplished. Now think about this here. So now, Paul suggested that in this case, Dealing with Philemon and dealing with Onesimus, God had orchestrated events to bring Onesimus and Philemon in conflict that Onesima can get what? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me this morning. Oh, you see how God is arranging everything. God is doing this here. Where is Jack at? Now, see, when I see something like this here, the first thing I highlight is what? Oh, he elected him. He elected him way back in eternity pass. Way before Onesimus was born, God chose him to be what? Oh, Lord, how mighty he me this morning. And look how God is going about getting this man saved. God will carry out a million things in your life to accomplish what? One thing. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you something this morning. God will carry out a hundred things in your life. And, and somebody know what I'm talking about this morning because they're smiling. God will carry out a million things in your child life to accomplish one thing. And He gonna do it. He will do it. He will do it. I know. I would hate to say, 25 or 30 years, how many things he had to do to accomplish. Oh Lord, had one thing in my life. Oh, help me this morning. Huh. I see Jim is very attentive back there this morning. Boy, he has been a blessing to me. Mm, mm, mm. But anyway, let's look at verse 17 and 18. We're going to get ready to close this thing up here. 1718 reflects the title of the sermon. Paul's gracious plea on behalf of Onesimus. Now listen to what Paul says here. He said, Welcome here as you will welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owe you anything, charge it to my account. Does that sound familiar? It should because all of my stuff was charged of who account? Oh boy, I tell you. You see how Paul? Look here. You know, here's a here's uh Philena, here's Philemon. and here's Paul and Onesimus. Paul is standing here with his arm around Onesimus like this right here. He, he not he not there. Mm-mm. This is what Paul is doing. Paul stepped in front of Onesima. So where's Onesima? And he's pleading this case right now. To Philemon. That's the very thing that Jesus did for you and I. Jesus didn't stand beside you and I and plead our case. He stood before God and plead our case. And the only thing that God sees is what? The blood. Where's Morris at? He's behind Jesus. All he sees is blue. going I tell you, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A beautiful picture of the gospel. Paul is continuing to appeal to Philemon for a personal favor. And Paul is appealing to Philemon as though, I said earlier, it is Paul himself that needs the grace of God and not Onesimus. Look at verse 19. Paul promised to do what he said in verse 17 and 18. In 19, this is what it is. This is ironclad. In other words, Paul is saying, this is written with my hand. Philemon is reading that. And he said, look, buddy, this is written with my hand. This is a contract. And we all know a contract is what? It's binding. And what Paul is saying, what I said in verse 17 and 18, I'm going to do it. That's what he's saying. So whatever hope of eternal life Philemon cherished is from the ministry of Paul. And that's why Paul can say, you owe me something, brother. You owe me one. So coming to the conclusion of this, look at verse 20 and 22. Paul said, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul wants Philemon to extend mercy to this new convert. That's what he wanted to do. And in his petition, Paul asked Philemon to minister to the apostle by showing kindness to his son, whom he loved with his very heart. So back in the first century, how the world handled slavery was very, very cruel. But Paul teaching to the church is to handle it Christ-like. And when the world sees this, they are change. And that's what happened way back in the first century. Coming into the third, the fourth, and fifth century, it began to change. And then, lastly, Paul in verse 21 expressed confidence and presented his petition to Philemon. And this statement of confidence, and he has confidence in Philemon's obedience. And I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. I think about prayer. God does more than we ask or think. And I believe what Paul is asking Philemon here is to emancipate this young man. Let him go completely. And I believe Paul has two strong reasons for believing that. Paul Philemon respected and loved Paul and therefore would have been motivated to please Paul. And I believe also Philemon loved the church of Jesus Christ so much and now Onesimus is joining that same church in his house. He will do what is right. And then there's a final greeting which Paul always gives a standard greeting in his writing. In verse 24 and 25 is where you'll find that greeting. But first, look at verse 22. Paul expressed his expectation that he would be released from prison rather quickly, and he asked Philemon to prepare a room for him. So now think about that. Philemon is motivated to do what's right because he's expecting whoever visitor Paul down the road at some time. And then Paul will see if he did what was right. And then secondly, there's something else that's going on here in that greeting Epapyritus. Epapyritus was from Colossae. He was a native of Colossae, but right now he is with Paul there in prison, visiting with Paul. So that simply means that Epaphras is going to go back to Colossae, who is there with Paul at the time he's writing this letter, and he would also know if Philemon did what was right. So, as I said earlier, this letter is a very beautiful masterpiece of love and forgiveness. And we saw this in action in regards to Paul. So, let us pray. Our Father, we come, Lord, just to say thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, and your peace. And, Lord, we thank you for our perfect Savior, such as Jesus Christ. Lord, I just ask you to continue to do what's required in our heart to cause, Lord, a spiritual fall that we may love as Paul demonstrated and showed his love for Onesimus. We give you praise for grace and we pray, Lord, that it will do a further work in our heart that we might Learn still more of what it means to tear down every barrier between ourselves and one another. That our relationship together, Lord, will forge on in union with Christ. And Lord, we ask these things in no other name but our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ.